1: Thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Canada Goose Third Quarter 2022 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you'll need to press star one on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to Patrick Burke of Investor Relations. Please go ahead.
2: Thank you and good morning, everyone. With me are Danny Reese, President and CEO, and Jonathan Sinclair, EBP and CFO. After prepared remarks from Danny and Jonathan, we will take your questions. These will be limited to one each to allow as many as possible to ask questions within the allotted time. This call, including the Q&A portion, includes forward-looking statements. Each statement, including without limitation, discussion of our financial outlook is subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected in such statements. Certain material factors and assumptions were considered and applied in making these forward-looking statements. Additional information regarding these forward-looking statements, factors and assumptions is available in our earnings press release issued this morning, as well as in the risk factors section of our most recent annual report Documents are also available on the Investor Relations section of our website. The forward-looking statements made on this call speak only as of today, and we undertake no obligation to update or revise any of these statements. Our commentary today will include certain non-IFRS financial measures, which are reconciled in the table at the end of our earnings press release issued this morning, and available on our Investor Relations website. With that, I will turn the call over to Danny.
3: Thank you, Patrick, and good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm happy to be here today to discuss our results and share highlights. Our momentum has continued, putting us on track to exceed a billion dollars in annual revenue for the first time ever. This is driven by the strong foundation that we have built and by our continued execution. We had a strong financial performance in the third quarter. Total revenue increased by 26.5% excluding temporary PPE sales from last year. DTC led the way in its largest quarter up 49%. We had a sharp improvement in store performance relative to last year, alongside continued digital growth. This flowed through to significant bottom line growth. Adjusted EBIT margin expanded 200 basis points to 35%, and adjusted EPS increased 41% to $1.42 per share. In the later stages of Q3 and into Q4, a new COVID outbreak and related restrictions have impacted revenue growth and retail traffic in both APAC and EMEA. As a result, we have revised our outlook for fiscal 2022, which Jonathan will cover shortly. We view these new disruptions as temporary. And in the case of APAC, we've already seen sequential improvement in the past two weeks. While today's environment presents challenges, we remain confident in our long-term trajectory. Our unique platform and our brand momentum give me confidence about the future, and I'd like to touch on a few highlights that speak to this. Our Made in Canada operations are an asset in today's dynamic operating environment. We have not had any material revenue or margin headwinds relating to supply or shipping constraints this winter. Looking forward, we are confident in our inventory position going into fiscal 2023, and we're confident in our ability to navigate inflationary pressures. As I mentioned earlier, our global digital business has continued to see strong growth, building on the solid gains that we made last year. North America was a standout, having launched our new e-commerce site in the region earlier this fall. We've been very pleased with the enhanced customer journey and increased conversion that we've realized. We will continue our phased rollout globally in FY23. We are building an enduring global lifestyle brand and expanding year-round relevance. I'm proud of the dedication our team has shown delivering against this objective, and we are encouraged by the results that we are seeing across the business. This quarter, non parker revenue grew by 75%. We are seeing tremendous success across our expanded offering. One highlight I'd like to touch on being our Pastel Collection, our first full expression of the Canada Goose lifestyle, including sweats, outerwear, accessories and footwear. The collection resonated particularly with women and we plan to expand this offering later this year. Another milestone from this past quarter was the official launch of our first ever footwear collection. The collection has driven excitement, demand and a strong response from consumers. Looking forward to our spring collection, we will launch several new styles, growing our year-round relevance. There is so much potential within footwear, both in the near and long term, and I look forward to continuing to update you. Innovative collaborations are a hallmark of our brand and a massive driver of brand heat. In December, we evolved our annual collaboration with Concepts with the addition of renowned Japanese fashion brand, Bape. The response was incredible, and the collection sold out within days. And tomorrow, we launch our second annual capsule collection with NBA All-Star as part of our multi-year partnership. This year, we've teamed up with Salehi Bembury as our guest designer for the collection. Bembury is one of the world's most innovative designers today, and the collection has received outstanding interest pre-sale. i look forward to seeing our brand in Cleveland next weekend. Finally, we continue to make the future our responsibility. Our human nature purpose platform guides everything that we do and it's underscored by our purpose to keep the planet cold and the people on it warm. Last month, we launched our first human nature collection. The collection demonstrates how quickly we are scaling innovative and environmentally responsible materials into our product assortment. The collection is made with 100% recycled nylon, responsibly sourced down and uses undyed fabric, significantly reducing the chemical impact of the collection. This is only the beginning, and I look forward to updating you on our continued progress on this front. And with that, I'll turn over to Jonathan to go over the details of our financial results and outlook. Thank you,
4: Danny, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We delivered a strong performance in the third quarter with revenue and earnings well above pre-pandemic levels. Brand momentum was exceptional, and our DTC-led distribution was highly productive. With a -a one-of-a-kind supply chain, we fulfilled peak demand without material constraints or profitability impacts. Following new COVID-19 variant outbreaks, we have seen lower-than-expected revenue growth and traffic in Asia-Pacific and in EMEA, at the end of Q3 and into the current quarter. This has been partially offset by outperformance in the United States. We believe that these disruptions are temporary and contained. Our operating environment remains more favourable than it was last year and we're making great progress on our strategic agenda. Looking at the quarter in detail total revenue increased by 26.5% to $586 million, excluding the impact of temporary PPE sales last year. As fiscal 22 is a 53-week year, the additional week in Q3 provided $40.9 million of revenue. In the quarter, DTC led the way, increasing by 49% to $445 million. Higher revenue from existing stores, e-commerce growth and retail expansion were all significant contributors. Retail productivity improved sharply alongside 28% digital growth on top of last year's outsized gains. This is a great proof point for the channel and for our brand in our most important quarter. As planned, wholesale revenue decreased 15%. To 137 million dollars throughout the year we've spoken about a normalization of timing with the shift back into q2 this was driven by partners requesting shipments earlier stripping away these shifts our expectation of mid single digit growth annually has not changed we are finishing the full winter with significantly higher sellout than last year and we're excited to build upon this In fiscal 2023. From a product perspective, our year-round lifestyle relevance continues to grow. Total non-Parker revenue increased by 75%. Vests and lightweight jackets were standout performers alongside encouraging contributions from apparel, headwear, and footwear. Parkers also grew stronger. Geographically, certain markets have slowed down while others have accelerated. These shifts have been in line with the new variants and restrictions and they reflect broader industry trends. In mainland China, DTC revenue increased by 35%. Following a very strong November, we observed a slowdown in store traffic in December, which carried through into the current quarter. Underlying demand remained strong, highlighted by the low 60s growth rate we achieved online. We've also seen sequential improvement in our retail performance over the last few weeks, heading into Lunar New Year. Revenue in EMEA increased by 16%. Like Asia Pacific, it grew at a meaningful but interrupted pace. The absence of international traffic has been a headwind for major global shopping destinations like Paris and Milan. new restrictions and disruptions have also emerged in markets like Germany. None of this changes our long-term conviction in the region and its upside in a recovery. On the other hand, North America has accelerated. In Canada, revenue growth was 32%, excluding temporary PPE sales last year. E-commerce increased in the low double digits Together with much improved retail performance. Being fully operational provided an incremental uplift as we faced closures in Ontario and Quebec during this period last year. Revenue in the United States increased by 26%. Our established retail stores were all near or at pre pandemic levels and digital growth was in the high 30s. This highlights the upside of other regions when retail traffic normalises. Remember too that this performance was almost entirely driven by domestic demand. Moving on to gross margin, DTC came in at 77.1% while wholesale was 50.2%. Excluding temporary wage subsidies, both are slightly up versus last year and well above two years ago. We have a long track record of funding new products and cost increases without margin compression. With our successful lifestyle evolution and a more inflationary environment, our algorithm is now even more valuable. Total SG&A was $184 million, up 27% from last year. As we've discussed throughout this year, we plan to slow down SG&A growth and expand profitability in our peak selling season. Adjusted EBIT margin expanded 200 basis points to 35.3% and adjusted EPS increased 42% to $1.42. Finishing with our revised outlook for fiscal 2022. This reflects lower revenue in Asia-Pacific and EMEA in the current quarter. We now expect the following ranges for our key metrics. Total revenue of $1.09 billion to $1.105 billion. This assumes approximately 68% TTC mix with 6-7% to 7% wholesale revenue growth. Adjusted EBIT. Of 165 to 175 million dollars representing an EBIT margin of 15.1 to 15.8 percent an adjusted EPS of a dollar two cents to a dollar 11 cents at a macro level this outlook assumes no material increase in pandemic or economic disruptions relative to what we're experiencing today Backing out our year-to-date results, with one quarter less in the year, our annual outlook implies the following revenue levels for the fourth quarter. Total revenue of 215 to $230 million. This represents slightly positive year-over-year growth. Relative to the comparative quarter, this 13-week period starts a week later. What that means is it's shifting one week from a high-volume trading period which represented $40.9 million in total revenue this year. In contrast, the extra week from the shift at the end of this fiscal period is not meaningful from a revenue perspective. This assumes approximately 84% DTC mix with slightly negative to flat wholesale revenue growth. In Q4 of last year, e-commerce growth is a high watermark of 123% due to closures and late demand timing. We expect e-commerce to normalise and be largely in line with last year, with a fully operational retail fleet playing a much larger role in our DTC growth. The temporary reductions we have faced do not change our optimism for fiscal 2023. We will share our views at your end in detail. As we see it today, there is no reason why we can't have strong growth and margin expansion even without a full retail recovery globally. Our DTC journey continues. Our brand momentum is robust. Our lifestyle relevance is expanding. Our one of the kind supply chain and our pricing power gives us stability, and flexibility in a disrupted retail environment. I look forward to updating you on our plans on our next call. And with that, I will pass over to the operator to begin Q&A.
1: Thank you. If you have a question at this time, please press star followed by the number one key on your touchtone telephone. Once again, that's star and then one to ask a question. One moment while we compile our Q&A roster. Our first question comes from Oliver Chen from Cowan. Your line is open.
5: Hi,
6: thank you. Q4, uh, what are your thoughts on store traffic regionally and some of the assumptions you have there? Uh, would also love your view uh, on marketing spend and marketing spend as a percentage of sales in the longer term and, and how you're evaluating uh, that that opportunity, um, and then finally, uh, it's encouraging. You've seen higher sellout in the wholesale channel. Um, just would love some of the drivers there and what it means for your forward inventory planning. Thank you.
4: On of, of, of uh, reduction in in what we're expecting is is around sixty percent in Asia and forty percent in here um and what what we're seeing in uh north america is very much maintained and um we we've got continued momentum there i think when it comes to marketing uh we are always um very deliberate about our investment in marketing we have continued with uh um an sort of a level that's at the higher end of what people typically invest. Um, we keep it constant as a percentage of revenue and we see no change in that over time. So when it came to wholesale, um, we obviously we've had a very um, positive uh, set, of demo- uh, set of demand and circumstances. We've, we've enjoyed very strong uh, demand at the uh, consumer at the consumer end the channels healthy we've seen very strong unit growth and value growth um, in uh, the retail performance of the wholesale client base
3: yeah I'll just add picture so Ill just add to that our wholesale business uh, continues to be very important to us um, this year uh, it was a more typical year and um, more of our, our revenue came um, in q2 um, and uh, our sell-through is very strong, so we're, we're very encouraged by this very strong sell-through. We're very, um, very encouraged uh, to see this category continue, continue to grow and to uh, drive uh, brand brand relevance and revenue for us in the, in the future.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Jonathan Comp from Baird. Your line is open.
6: Yeah. Hi. Thank you. I, I want to ask on margin if, if I could maybe first just clarify that that decrease to the margin outlook for this year, is that all sales deleverage or anything else going on? And then maybe more broadly, as you think to the pathway back above 20% operating margin uh, beyond fiscal 22, anything changed with with your outlook there and maybe just if you could clarify some of the the main drivers of of margin expansion
4: going forward? Sure, Um, thanks. I think, you know, as we often do, we make our sg a growth investments typically very front-weighted in the year, and then as we get into the peak season, that's when we see the, uh, the profit delivery and the margin expansion. And the first, first fourth quarter here, as I've said before, was supposed to be a major driver of margin expansion. Timing this year was unfortunate, and it's magnified um, the impact, therefore, of our most recent disruptions. With the current disruptions, we have lost the sales leverage. And there is a very much more limited thing that we can do on the cost side. To be absolutely clear, this is a sales, traffic story, a retail traffic story that's impaired revenues and therefore depressed uh, margin. And as a result, we're in the mid-teens for the year, relative to the mid to high-teens range that we've been talking out about throughout the year. Now, as we look forward, in terms of fiscal 23, we see no reason why we can't expand margins significantly more than the current year, even in this environment. We've got pricing power to manage cost inflation. Our DTC productivity critically is improving, and the U.S. has already shown us the upside of a more fulsome retail recovery.
3: Can just add to that... Um to what Jonathan said, you know, uh, longer term as retail restrictions and and traffic normalizes globally, we completely, we intend to recover and we see ourselves eventually going beyond pre-pandemic levels Uh, to uh, to Jonathan's point. So it's completely a traffic story and uh, traffic will come back.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Ike Borachow from Wells Fargo. Your line is open.
2: Hey, uh, good morning everyone. Jonathan, um, I apologize that you were cutting in a little bit or maybe it was just my phone on on Oliver's question around uh, regional performance. I I just wanted to understand a little bit better. The the guidance reduction on DTC is around 75 million, which is a lot for a smaller quarter in 4Q. So clearly there's some regional dispersion, uh, which I think you're talking about APAC and EMEA. Could you maybe just give us a little bit more detail on uh, what levels of productivity you're expecting in 4Q by region. Um, North America sounds pretty healthy, but it sounds like there's pressure there. Just, just kind of parsing that out might help might, might us um,
4: um, understand
3: what's Yeah, on, let me give you a uh, globally.
4: Sorry. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm uh, um, ha- very happy to do so. Um, to start with the bright spot, you know, U.S. is actually now within very close striking distance of pre-pandemic levels. And I underscore that's without meaningful international traffic. Our highly productive stores in Canada are a bit behind, but they're much improved from last year, and they're definitely moving in the right direction. Asia-Pacific was a standout for retail recovery last year, but it's taken a few steps back with the new outbreaks and restrictions that we've been dealing with this year. In general, EMEA is is furthest behind in retail normalisation currently. But overall, globally, it's important to note that we've seen much stronger uh, traffic this fall winter than we did last year, and we are convinced that these disruptions are temporary.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Michael Benetti from Credit Suisse. Your line is open.
6: Hey guys, thanks for our questions here. Um, I wanted to ask just about the the early framework to think about for 2023. Uh,
3: You know, uh, maybe just some help
6: on what you see as far as the revenue pressures you see in total for this year in 3Q and 4Q that should be transitory as we we try to think about how much you should be able to reclaim or the, the. the how to think about how much the compares are easy as we think about next year because of what you think is transitory happening right now and then on um on profitability you know on the gross margin i think the non-parka categories were a bit of an impact um, to the gross margin this quarter, I would assume that that the mix of non-Parker keeps evolving next year as you push into some of those other categories and boots. Certainly, maybe how we should think about that is, is the run rate of you know the headwind on on um, the gross margin just as we go forward. And then just to follow uh, Jonathan's question earlier, is it you know I know you've spoken to, to EBIT margins much higher even than the 20% um, over the long term for the business. Is it is it is it is it not appropriate to think of 20 plus as the EBIT margin? For 23, at this point.
4: So, um, I think, th- thanks, Mike. I mean, there's 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 quite a lot in that. So let's let's take it in the sequence in which you you asked. Um, the first uh, is the framework for for 23. There is no no doubt that we've still had impaired traffic this year in our stores, um, and that's therefore gives us a softer base for next year. And assuming that we can see the continued normalization um, of traffic that clearly gives us an opportunity for growth quite apart from the organic growth that the, the business should should generate in any event both through um, its existing network of stores and, and wholesale accounts and so on as well as the continued development of the retail network and our technology so uh, in terms of online and online so we we would we feel very good about um, the platform for next year and we think that that should act as a springboard for growth now turning sec- secondly um, to gross margin um, you know you're right that more our margins are inevitably higher in our Parker category and therefore as we um th- Um, And therefore, as we develop um, our non-Parker business, those margins initially are somewhat low. The fundamental part of our um, our margin algorithm, though, is that we create tailwinds and headwinds so that we keep the gross margins in balance, particularly at a channel level. So uh, therefore, we believe that what we said historically, which is... Uh, mid 70s gross margin for the DTC channel, mid to high 40s for wholesale, is what we should expect to see um, over time, and our view on that has has not changed. Management's job is to keep it in balance, and we we believe that we're demonstrating that we're able to do that. I think when it comes uh, to um, EBIT um, going forward, you know, I've said before, uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't be expanding. Uh, margins significantly more than we did this year, even in this environment, and whilst it's too early to give specific numbers for next year, um, you know, you've heard me talk about the fact that we expect our um, EBIT margins to move above 20 and towards 30 over time, and that view has not changed. We've got a very strong underlying earnings model here. It's just that this year is um, affected by temporary disruptions to the retail traffic.
3: Yeah, and to add to what Jonathan said at a very high level, we are very optimistic for next year and beyond. Uh, we, we continue to be. We have we have consistently uh, grown and demonstrated meaningful growth over the past few years, and we see, and I personally see no reason why that will not continue into the future. Uh, you know, We've demonstrated that we can uh, operate uh, a profitable and a growing business in an impaired environment, and when, you know, at such a time when traffic returns, um, we see that as, as a uh, as a even greater accelerator to that uh, to that growth.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Omar Syed from Evercore. Your line is open.
6: Good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Um, I wanted to ask a little further, uh, for further detail on Asia and China and maybe put a finer point on uh, the deceleration and some of the soft traffic you're seeing there. Uh, what is COVID related? Are there other effects going on in that market? Uh, any, any, uh, lingering effects from the PR kind of, uh, 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 consumer watchdog issue that, that that had you guys there. And then in the last two weeks, I think you mentioned the last two weeks it's picked up. Are you seeing that pick up in correlation with easing of COVID restrictions? Do you have a view on China um, post the winter Olympics? Do you think things will open up even further there? We'd love just a little bit more detail on your, what's happening in that market, what's affecting your business and your outlook. Thanks.
3: For sure. Yeah. Thank you for your question. Um, we, we're uh, very confident about our business in China. Um, our, our, um, you know the the primary story in China at the moment is um, is COVID related and uh, and restrictions related, uh, which uh, impair traffic to stores, um, and and uh, and that and that, and that and that's and that's and that's the biggest story in China at the moment. Um, I'll point out that our um, our online business in China uh, was up over 60% uh, in the last quarter, which is really important. To note, and is a very good sign of consumer demand for our products in China. Uh, we are very optimistic and bullish about our um, our future prospects in China. We have a lot of runway left there, and um, uh, we intend to continue to grow in China meaningfully for for years to come. Uh, and um, you know, hopefully, the uh, global climate changes soon, and uh, traffic returns uh, to pre-pandemic levels. I
4: and mean, we, and we've, as as I said in my prepared remarks, we're seeing that traffic build week over week at the, at the moment, it has been very encouraging. I think, uh, you know, there are a number of factors going going on in 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 uh, China at the moment, uh, whether it's around COVID, but also, you know, right at the moment, obviously the Olympics are on, underway in Beijing. Um, it's, you know, we we have assumed. Um, uh, a more normalized trend in Asia for the remainder of the year, based on what we've been seeing, and that's embedded in what we're saying here. Um, And, you know, we we feel fairly confident about it. I think the other thing is to think about, you know, the, the way in which our business evolves. Typically, January is bigger than February. February is bigger than March. And therefore, um, the, the the swing factor that's imbe- embedded in, in how traffic becomes more volatile as the remainder of the year becomes less significant.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Adrienne Ying from Barclay. Your line is open. Great, thank you very much.
8: Um, a couple of questions here. I guess I'm gonna stay on the China topic. Uh, how should we think about uh, the China segment margins, and, and specifically, what percent is coming through uh, e-commerce versus stores, and what does the EBIT margin look like relative to the other regions, um, uh, the, the other regions? And then, Jonathan, I, I want to dig into the uh, um, the product margin, the, specifically the merchandise margin. You talked about puts and takes. Um, obviously the AIR is going to be a net positive. What do you look at? What is cost inflation? So what is the the current rate of cost inflation? Because you don't have container or shipping, you know, coming from the Far East. I'm just curious. How much are you raising prices to offset cost inflation? Thank you very much.
4: That's all right. That's great. Thank you. Um, so China, China margins typically are, um, are, are robust. Um, certainly at the gross level, and, you know, that reflects the fact that we follow uh, the, um, uh, the uh, global pricing matrix around the world, and that's a well-established pattern for us. Um, I think, uh, generally speaking, therefore, we enjoy good levels of productivity, and therefore the stores are profitable very you know, and very good, um, alongside a strong contribution from our e-commerce. And the um, from an EBIT margin standpoint, first of all, the stores and, and, the, and, um, and uh, the online in normal times are about the same. The China EBIT margin in and of itself is a little bit more depressed than the other regions because um, it has embedded in it um, the uh, operating costs um, of our partnership with Imaginex, which fall in SG&A. And so... Although there are very strong underlying um, margins, there's, there's a, a supplementary cost that we, that's been there in the region since day one. When it comes to our product margins, uh, we, we are not facing huge input cost inflation. We do get input cost inflation. We'd be unique in the world if we weren't getting that. Uh, but it's not that high, you know, l- uh, low single digits typically is what we're seeing. Um, and, and we do have some um, freight costs, we, um, either because we're moving product, uh, buying raw materials and bringing them in, or because we're shipping, uh, product out. Um, and those, the inflation in those types of costs is, is, pretty much an experiences. We do have pricing power as a brand, and that's been there for years. And as our DTC network grows, it means that we have a very, um, robust and and, um, sophisticated understanding of of price elasticity, which means that when you do move prices, um, you're you're able to um, understand the likely impact on volumes, and therefore it's very surgical. Um, So, in that context, we've been able to raise our our prices, generally speaking, in mid-single digits. Uh, You tune it up as the year goes along, this year has been no different. Um, and we've been um, able to uh, make sure that uh, pricing isn't, isn't a, a, an obstacle in the brand.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Megan Annette from TD Securities. Your line is open. Thank
7: you. Good morning. Just looking at the brand equity by region, can you talk about the brand positioning in each of your key geographic regions and? You know, has that shifted throughout the pandemic at all? Uh, Are you seeing increased competitive intensity in any region in particular that, that might be worth noting? And if you could make any comments on what you're seeing from new, maybe relative to existing customers, that would be helpful. Thank
3: you. Yeah, thanks for your question. I think our brand equity—we're um, no, we're, we're seeing that our brand, brand equity across all of our markets is very strong. Um, the, the share of mind that we capture in all markets is growing, especially amongst young consumers. Uh, a lot of this, um, a lot of this uh, brand awareness, brand heat is being driven by um, our uh, <clears throat> some of our collaborations that we're doing. Um, coming up soon is our collaboration with uh, the NBA, for example, where we. Uh, collaborated with Sovebry and that uh, um, some, some of that has already sold out um, uh, to our base camp community early uh, and yeah so we're um, we're very encouraged by what we see by, you know it, it, from a from a, a brand awareness and desirability perspective um, in all i would say three of our geographic markets uh, both objectively and relative to our competitive set.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Mark Petrie from CIBC. Your line is open.
6: Yeah, good morning. I uh, just wanted to ask about store sales productivity. I know there's a lot of noise, but just curious, any comments with regards to how sort of the fiscal 21 and fiscal 22 store cohorts are performing versus some of your older stores, and, and I guess specifically in China, if you can if you can share any comments there. And then what's a reasonable expectation just with regards to, store growth in fiscal 23, and then, you know, uh, longer-term network potential.
4: Yes. That, thanks, um, I'm, you know, our store productivity, uh, when it comes to looking at the new cohorts of stores, we've been very pleased uh, with the stores that we've been able to bring online um, uh, in the last couple of years. To be honest, it, it's quite good to be a buyer in a, in a seller's market, and therefore we've been able to pick up some uh, really interesting property. Uh, whether we're talking Southhurst Plaza um, in, um, uh, in in the US, or whether we're talking about um, stores that we've opened in, in Germany, or whether we're stores that we've opened in China, um, we've we've been very pleased with how they've taken off. Um, we, we're still very early in the development of our network because you know we're we're in the 40 odd store zone, and and that's that's not huge. Um, in a, in, a, in a sector where there are plenty of people with, with stores well into three digits. Um, so we're, we're, we see plenty of opportunity for growth in the network. Um, we've always said that we're never going to be a brand with hundreds of stores, we stand by that. Uh, but I think you, know, you've also, you can also see that we're opening stores in, in the high single digits to around the 10 mark um, and have been doing that for a couple of years. No reason why that shouldn't continue. Um, and that will take us up towards a number of um, approaching triple digits. Yes.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Brooke Roach from Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. Good morning, and thank you so much for taking our questions. I wanted to follow up on Megan's prior question about brand equity and competitive positioning. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you see the competitive environment in China broadly and perhaps the actions and marketing initiatives you have in the Chinese region to improve your customer connection and increase your moat around the brand in that marketplace. Thank
3: you. Yes, yeah, so thank you for your question. Uh, our brand equity in China, um, specifically, which you're asking about, is um, we we uh, see as being quite high. Uh, the demand for our products there is high. It's uh, China is a really large market, and there's room for lots of brands there. And uh, and there are lots of brands, both both international and domestic. And amongst those brands, um, <clears throat> the demand for our brand is is very strong. Uh, and um, and we see that in all of our market research uh, that we do in China. In addition to that, I think it's very important that um, as an international brand that we, um, we also uh, market specifically to China for China. So we have a team on the ground in China marketing. Our, our entire team, including our marketing team, is on the ground in China uh, and um, marketing to our consumers there uh, along with collaborations that we do uh, in market, uh, with local designers, uh, and, uh, and, you know, in, in that way, we continue to, uh, to keep the demand for our brand from our Chinese fans very high.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Brian McNamara from Barenberg Capital. Your line is open. Good morning. Thank you for taking
5: my question. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the significant volatility in your share price on earnings results, specifically in, in recent quarters. What do you think is driving these big surprises? And with your shares very weak today and with, I think, 2 million, left, 2 million shares left on your authorization, do you believe this is a good time to be aggressively buying back stock, given you, your view that uh, the current challenges are temporary? Thank you.
3: Thank you for your question. You know, I think, I believe firmly that it is uh, our job to build a uh, long-term and strong and enduring business that will last for decades and generations to come. And I firmly believe that we're doing that. And uh, that's not measured in quarters. That's measured in years and in generations. And so when I look at what we've accomplished year after year over the past many years, I'm very, very proud of what we've been able to accomplish. And I think that, uh, you know, um, I think that over time uh, all the right numbers will be in all the right places and um, and uh, yeah hand over Jonathan to, to uh, talk about some technical details yeah the
4: um, when it comes to um, the NCIB you, you rightly note that um, there is capacity left in the NCIB okay. as you also know we privilege investment in the business with our uh, free cash flow, because that ultimately we believe is the best use of funds um, to generate return for shareholders. That said, at times when we believe that um, the um, there is um, an attractive um, share price in the market, you know, it's it, it, it's also an option for us to consider um, uh, working with our you know NCIB.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Camilo Lyon from BTIG. Your line is open.
5: Thanks. Good morning. <clears throat> um, just to follow up on China um, and the store's performance. So if I remember hearing correctly, China was up 35%, um, but your, your stores doubled um, year over year. So it looks like comp stores were down pretty meaningfully. Um, Jonathan, can you parse out the performance of those new stores versus your existing stores um, and if the commentary that you're starting to see a pickup in, in performance and productivity in the current quarter is reflective of the entire store base or um, existing stores or new stores. Thank you.
4: So uh, uh,
5: inevitably
4: at, at, at this level of, of, of space expansion, um, you're going to conclude that, that, uh, that there are declines in the, in the comp store base in China, and, and, and we, that's certainly what we're seeing. Um, but that said, um, we're, we are also seeing um, good growth in, in our with the Chinese consumer. So I, I, I don't think you can just look at it in terms of the stores, because you also have to at what's going on online. And when the online is up 60%, so yeah, the stores are obviously below that. Um, but I, I do think that um, we are seeing very encouraging, footfall, we're seeing very encouraging trends um, the new stores that we've been opening around mainland China have all been hitting their numbers. We've, we've been very pleased with how that's, um, that's developing. And frankly, the disruptions that we're seeing at the moment are pretty much driven by the um, uh, environmental and extraneous factors that we've been describing. Thank you.
1: Our next question comes from Jay Soul from UBS. Your line is open.
5: Great. Thank you for taking my question. Um, My question is on social media activity in China. You know, it seems like the company's social media activity um, decreased in December on, like, uh, platforms like uh, Weibo and WeChat. Can you just talk about why that is and and, um, maybe just stop right there? That's the question.
3: Thanks for your question, Jay. We
5: um, we run our
3: marketing uh, operations in China, out of China, um, boots on the ground in our office um, in Shanghai, and um, that is how uh, you know that is how we speak directly to our China consumer base. I think that our um, our social media presence is strong and um, and uh, has really helped uh, you know drive our our brand awareness and our revenue over the year over the past few years that we've been in China. Uh, we're, as you know, we're on Tmall, we're on um, JD.com, we're on WeChat, and we're on Weibo as well. And um, across all of those platforms, uh, we've been able to cultivate a very strong base camp community in our uh, Chinese marketplace.
1: Thank you. And our next question comes from Ravi Ohms from Bank of America. Your line is open.
5: Hey, good morning. Um, thanks for taking my question. I uh, I wanted to ask a little more in the U.S. Um, can uh, I don't know, Danny or Jonathan? Can you remind us what percent, if you go back to fiscal twenty or calendar twenty nineteen, can you remind us what percent was tourist driven? And because um, I think it was very high, right? I think and and so it would imply that your the core U.S. customer has grown a lot. Uh, I think since twenty nineteen or f- fiscal twenty, um, any kind of numbers you can give us on, on, you know, sort of the, the, the growth in uh, sort of the, the U S um, customer, you know, versus two years ago and, and is, has the profile changed or is it, you know, more stores driving that, but it does, it does look like, uh, and tell me if I'm getting the math wrong, but it does look like it's been pretty impressive growth in U S customers versus two years ago. I, uh-
3: yeah, there's no question that our business, our business today in the United States has been very strong, uh, very robust, and uh, certainly due to an absence of um, international tourist traffic. That's driven um, driven by local um, by the local population. Um, so you know we're we're very pleased with our uh, obviously the growth the growth of our brand equity, our brand awareness and um, the popularity of cannabis use in the United States, and I think that. Uh, you know, looking towards the future and the return of international tourism, both, both to, uh, to all parts of the world, to North America and, and to EMEA as well. Um, you, I, I think that that only bodes extremely well for, um, our, for our growth and for our store productivity across all region.
4: I think what I'd add to that is, you know, we've always said um, that in normal times, and, and you're talking about a baseline that was normal times, um, we're a 50-50 business between tourism and, and, and domestic demand, and that was certainly the case in the US alongside other other, um, other markets. I think that, uh, you know, if you look at the US, even Soho now is pretty much doing the same numbers it was pre-pandemic. That's that's that's, in, that's really um, important as a, um, as a as a benchmark. Um, we're also, as, as you're thinking about uh, the product offer, we are obviously developing our lifestyle offer uh, with non, the non-heavy weight down complementing heavy weight down, and that's enabling us to develop um, the business across the U.S., not just in the cold weather parts. Hence, the opening in South Coast Plaza, as I said, we get great performance there and in other locations too. So, we're seeing not just great performance but great momentum and great promise.
1: Thank you. And that does conclude our question and answer session for today's conference. I'd now like to turn the call back over to Danny Reese for any closing remarks.
3: Thank you. Before we say goodbye for today, I'd like to leave you with one final comment, and that is that our foundation is strong in our ability to navigate temporary disruptions is absolutely proven. And as John noted earlier, our optimism for fiscal 2023 has not changed. We're confident in our business and our growth potential, even without a full retail traffic recovery globally. I look forward to speaking to you all again next quarter, and thank you, thank you everyone once again for joining us here today.
1: Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation, and you may now disconnect. Everyone, have a wonderful day.